Hello, real estate world. Welcome to the Nova Show, real estate records. This is Nuria Rivera, owner of Novation Title. I wanted to create the space for you guys to be able to share success stories, but not only success stories, I also wanted you guys to be able to share raw stories, everything that you have learned from the failures, the lessons, the wins. This is a space for our community to come together so that we can help each other rise to the next level. This is a space to be vulnerable, and this is a space for us to all be able to support each other in this real estate world. Please enjoy this episode. All right. Hello and welcome to the Nova Show Real Estate Records. I am Courtney Rydalt, your host for today's episode. Now, ladies and gentlemen, gear up for a conversation of a lifetime with the one and only Roger Berg. Roger's illustrious career is characterized by a passion and unrivaled depth of knowledge garnished from his years of hands-on experience in both Utah and Mexico. Alongside his brokerages, Roger has masterfully led a custom home building company, showcasing his incredible versatility and insight into the home building sector. Roger has perfected building industrial connections, bringing together a vibrant community of experts and enthusiasts alike. So get ready for Roger's inspiration and insight about what can be achieved with determination and a vibrant spirit in the dynamic world of real estate. Roger, welcome to the Nova Show. Thank you. That sounded so great. I don't know who you were talking to, but I guess it was me. (laughs) Yes, you are the man of the hour. I am the man of the hour. It sounded so good. (laughs) Well, thank you. I want to meet this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lucky for me, I'm getting to. So let's dive in. Roger, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Originally um, from California, from the Bay Area. Oh, okay. So I used to be proud of that. Not so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Right. Uh, so now I kind of say Utah, but it depends mm-hmm. on who I'm talking to. But Gotcha. But no, California, I'm not as proud of that fact. But Okay, okay. And what brought you to Utah then? Um, BYU. Really? School. Okay. Girls. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Couldn't afford California. Parents kicked no me out of the No one can. Right. Um, you know, had... Uh, a child on the way mm-hmm. couldn't afford to raise that child in California living with my parents. I'd already done that for 19 years. Wasn't ready to do that any longer than right. that, like right. most people. Understandably. Um, so ended up staying here, dropping, mm-hmm. dropping out of school Okay. and raising a family. Okay. So it kept me here. Gotcha. What do you like about living in Utah? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate the snow. Okay. <laughs> Um, I am a outdoorsy person, not a hunter like the normal, right? Okay. Uh, um, I just like the, the activities, so many activities. I like, you know, I lived a lot at the sand dunes, you know, all my years. I used to motocross race, really? uh, freestyle motocross race out of the sand dunes. I lived out there for years and years and years. Oh, wow. Um, UTVs, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, uh, the people here are nice, right? It's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. to live if you take out the other culture that will not be named. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with that. I've went on a mission, so I'm just... Sure. Um, it's what makes Utah great. So I tell a lot of my clients all the time when they're always asking me, you know, come from California, like, what, mm-hmm. you know, what about all the Mormons, right? And I A lot said, of diversity. A lot of diversity. I said, you know, it's changed over the last 30 years. I've been mm-hmm. selling real estate for 30 years. But I said, I will tell you this, like them or not, they made Utah a great place. So yes. give them credit. Yes. 
a lot of perseverance. A lot of perseverance. So it is what it is because of that group of people. Mm-hmm. So love them or hate them. They made it great. You're here because it's great. So yes. zip it if you have anything negative to say. There you go. That's kind of what I tell my clients they laugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then what were you doing before real estate? Um. Well, I've been in real estate since I've been right off my mission. So pretty really? much. What brought you into real estate then? Um. My brother was a motivational speaker. Um, he was in a wheelchair and a motivational speaker. He wrote a couple of books. He owned Siegel Book and Tape. Oh. Um, and so I did some sales for him mm-hmm. in the bookstore. Um, and he said, you need to get into something real estate that you can really go out and showcase your talent. And I said, I never thought about real I never in a million years thought about real estate. And I, he pushed me to go get my license. So I went... Uh, I think I was making like a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. sales manager for him. This was in the nineties, right? I don't know how I lived right. on a thousand dollars a month. But uh my first house paint was like six hundred and sixty bucks. Oh, right. Man. So those golden days, those right? Were the years. At eight and three quarter percent interest, right? <laughs> um brand new house too. Brand I bought a brand new house in Murray. But um so I went in uh, I remember specifically I worked at the Holiday Oil gas station on the corner of fifty four hundred South and Redwood Road. Really? And I did graveyard shift. Mm-hmm. So I could go to real estate school when you had to actually attend classes right. <laughs> at Stringham Real Estate School. So yes. I did eight hours a day of real estate school after working eight-hour shift. And then I'd sleep like an hour in between and then go back to the graveyard shift. And I did that for two weeks, did the real estate course in two weeks, the fastest you could take it right at the time. If you went eight hours a day, 14 days, you could mm-hmm. take it. I took the test and then I kept working for two months. So and then I'd go to – I'd go to uh, – I went to work for Wardley Better Homes and Gardens, which was just across the street at mm-hmm. 70 – 7070 Union Park. And I did that for two months and then I got my first sale and then I quit the job so I could get some sleep. <laughs> I bet you were exhausted by then. So yeah, so I was doing you know eight hours a day of real estate, eight hours a day working, but I worked at graveyard shifts so I could work during the day. Okay. So, so you were ready for some success by then. Ready to go. Gotcha. I made six figures my first year really? in real estate. Congratulations. So I worked in the same office with Joel Carson and William Bustos, uh, Hal Erickson, Mike Lindsay, mm-hmm. right? All those. Those are some impressive names. Impressive names. Yes. We're all still alive, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and still still working. Uh, yeah, I think I think everyone is. Everyone is still working. Yeah. Hal Erickson may not be still working, well, yeah. but I think everyone else still is. Dan mm-hmm. Carey was in that office. There was a lot of big names in that office back in the day. Wow. That's that's an impressive start. It was an impressive office. Yes. Right? So, um, but yeah, it was good. So I that you know took me in my career, and then in uh, started in ninety two, and then in ninety ninety six, Lynn Wardley asked me to be the VP of new home sales to help with all get more builders to mm-hmm. the brokerage. So I traveled around the United States, um, getting information from other builders from around the uh, U.S. and what other uh, Better Homes and Gardens companies were doing to get those builders to work with their agents. And so I helped get put a program together to help the agents get builder business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did that for a few years, and then I was offered a job from a builder to come work directly for them. I did that up in Davis County for three years. Um, I was his sole builder. I did all the models and trained all the agents. Oh, Wow. And under my brokerage, Platinum Realty, I had at the time up there. I did that from 98 to 2002. And then he got Parkinson's disease and kind of wanted to slow down. Mm. So I went and opened up my own business, Platinum Homes, and started building and selling my own homes mm-hmm. in 2002, which was all all uh, multi-million dollar homes. 
How did you like that in comparison well, with selling real estate? I did. Well, I did two hundred and thirty-two new homes in in, in two thousand two. In one year. In, in in one year, sold two hundred and thirty-two for this other builder. Okay. Um, and so what I liked about doing my own is I went to million-dollar homes. I only did like eight a year. Okay. So what that was was. 230 less headaches. Yes. Right? FHA, 99.9 average sales price homes back then in the 90s, right? I think our average sales price was like 118 or 120 back then, right? I think we all missed those days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not a lot of commission either on those homes, but but uh, I just was less headache. So all those deals were great, but that's just a lot of headache. So to do million-dollar homes, you know, I think my average sales price was like 1.7 million back in 2002. And just less headaches, more more financially stable buyers, more down payment, mm -hmm. right? Still problems, but less problems. New construction is full of problems. Oh, sure. Right, but it was just less problems for me. So I built a home in the 2003 and 2006 Brit Homes. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on the news several times for um, my company, uh, Platinum Homes. We donated a, 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 remod a rebuild, a makeover mm -hmm. for one of the victims of the Charlie Square shooting back oh, in wow. 2006 six or seven. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so he was shot and paralyzed. My brother was in a wheelchair, so who had already passed away in 2002. And so we donated and reconverted his home for wheelchair accessible, tore out his bathroom. Stacy Hansen was his name, and we did that and redid that home. So I was in the news for that. That's um, So I try to give back to the community for or in the name of my brother. Um, and then uh, there was a uh, I bought some lots up in, in Mill Creek uh, and the Utah Mormon pioneers had the oldest ever living tree planted in Utah and that they chained themselves to the tree because we were going to tear it down to build houses. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like something straight out of a movie. <laughs> right. right. So the mayor came, the news crew came, um, they chained themselves to the tree, had to pay an arborist to come say the tree was dying. You couldn't save it. Right. And so I made a quote on the news that said, you know, trees are like people, they get old and die. And so I had all these old people calling my Oh no. <laughs> threatening to be just a me. PR nightmare. <laughs> right. Well, any any press is good press, right? Yeah. So they were calling my office, this platinum homes, you said you were old people are gonna die. I'm like, Well, it's is it a lie? I mean <laughs> right. I mean, like the tree was dying and I'm like, if you love the tree then you should have taken care of the tree, right? But they chained themselves. These these like five ladies, oh, oh I shouldn't say older ladies, more established, mature ladies. <laughs> that Wise. the Wise. Wiser, Wiser ladies, um, you know, that brought these seeds across from Illinois with the pioneer ladies and planted these. And so I said, look, if you love this tree so much, you can just buy the lot back from me. And they said, no. So I said, then you don't love the tree. So. Well, there you go. And I chopped it Logic down. wins. Yep. <laughs> Chopped it down, and I got on. K-Bear gave me the boner of the week. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing it even then. <laughs> 2006, I got the boner. So I've had a lot of publicity. Got it. Good and bad. Well. So a, a long career, yes. Makes a name for yourself. That is correct. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Then I went to, to California when the market crashed in 2008. Mm -hmm. I did real estate in California for a while. And then I, 2013, I went to Mexico for seven years and did real estate. Had my own brokerage in Mexico for seven years. Um, I did all the timeshare sales training oh. for the Sheraton Hotel. I trained all their salespeople down there okay. at, the, at the Sheraton. So, you know, two of the most difficult jobs you could do, I've done. So, mm -hmm. a Mormon missionary mm -hmm. and timeshare sales. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> and I've done used car sales. So three. There's and real estate. Four of the worst jobs. Very, very well-rounded. You are a patient man. <laughs> so, right? So, yes. yes, I've had some sales skills th throughout yes. over the years. Well, very impressive, for sure. And I understand you have quite the story in, you know, transitioning from Mexico back to the U.S., uh, yeah, some would say it's interesting, yes. right? It is a little different, not, not normal. So I can't say where I lived down there. Um, but I lived in Mexico for seven years. I had, uh, did all the training for the mm -hmm. so you could figure it out from the Sheraton hotel, but they're in more than one city. But anyways, um, lived down there. I opened up a restaurant. I always wanted to, my bucket list was to be a bartender. Really? Right. Okay. I mean, and I would tell people at the own the bar, I'm like, I'll come do it for free. I'll I mean, you relate to people very well. So I imagine you would have a blast. Right. And I like, I want to be a bartender. So I'm like, I'll come work for free and I'll give all the tips to everyone else. You don't have to pay me. And you know how many odd job offers I got? Zero. <gasps> Zero. I'm like, I just want to do it once a week. Just really? one day a week for free. Huh. Right. And I said, I will bring in you so much money. Mm-hmm. Right. No. So finally I said, forget it. I'm going to open up my own bar called Diablos because, you know, I'm right from the devil's mouth. Right? <laughs> Why not? Right not. So um, opened up a bar down there um, so I could be my own bartender. Um, so, you know, I was in heaven, you know, living the life. Right. And uh, um, had a girlfriend mm -hmm. at the time, right? So uh, she worked for me at the bar. And uh, we were in uh, November of 2019, we were taken and kidnapped from the bar at gunpoint. So, and held captive for four days, tortured for four days um, in, in Mexico, yeah. So. That's terrifying. So the both of us were um, handcuffed, blindfolded, shackled, beaten, um, other things I can't say. But um, so, I mean, when you're there, four days seems like four months. A lifetime. Right? Uh, you know, you nothing to do, nothing to eat, nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. We, I mean, I always look at the cup as half full, right? So I was a bigger guy mm -hmm. back in 2019. Um, I was probably 280, 290 pounds. I'm 65. Okay. But I lost 15 pounds in four days. So that's a positive, right? So I don't know if that's the diet program I recommend for most people. I, I, I would advise against it. You know, but, you know, if you just handcuff yourself, throw yourself in the closet for four days and uh, could lose a little weight. You know. Some beatings maybe might help. I'd better so, maybe just take a walk. But take a walk. That one might be easier. So I don't recommend it, but it. I look at the cup of set full. So it was a very, um, I laugh because I have to, but very traumatizing experience. I still have scars from the handcuffs cut me all the way to the bone mm. uh, four days. So you can wow. see scars still every day. I have that daily reminder. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so we survived, luckily. You know, uh, say whatever thankfully. it is. Thankfully, right? Um, survive. So uh, uh, I fled um, back. To, they took everything, right? I have a dime to my name, right? But, um, and I had to uh, send my wife and her two kids to uh, to another city in Mexico to hide and then eventually to Canada to hide. And so um, while laying there, right, thinking, what am I going to do if I live, right? What are you going to do with your life, right? Um, I said, well, I'm going to guess I'm going to go back to Utah and Sell real estate, what I know, right? Uh, start all over. Yeah, right? so that's I some soul searching. Right, well, I had a long time <laughs> to search, right, or what I was going to do. And um, so I said, you know, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get my license. I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to relax. I'm old, right? Very old. Um, experience is the word now, right? Wise. <laughs> Wise, right? I don't know about that one, but 
Um, so I said, you know, I'm just going to go back, take it easy, make a quarter million dollars a year in commissions and just relax. Right. And I got my license in January of 2020 and started selling real estate in February of 2020. Mm -hmm. And at the end of, so I worked 10 months and in 2020 I made the Realtor 500. So Salt Lake Board of Realtors 500 for the top 500 realtors in 10 months of work. That's so impressive. All right. So just coming back, going to work. And that's what people ask me all the time, like, well, how do you do it? And I'm like, I, I don't know how you don't do it. Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. And I had no, no SOI, no friends, no family. I mean, right. I mean, I sold myself a house. <laughs> I mean, right. that's why. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. <laughs> right. You are uh, your best client. <laughs> well, I was showing another client and they wanted me to see this house. And I said, oh, I'll show it to you. And they didn't realize it was already gutted. The whole house was gutted. You couldn't even do anything. And I showed it to him and like, oh, this isn't for us. I'm like, wait a minute. It may be for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, maybe I'll buy it. So I ended up buying it and I ended up spending the next eight months. I think I closed on it in April and finished in November. I moved in. Mm -hmm. So eight months, uh, I worked on it eight hours a day, remodeled the whole house myself while working in real estate. And you, and you did enough business to make the realtor 500 the realtor list. 500. So that's I, impressive. Right. So yes. And I didn't realize that to people were asking me. I'm like, I guess that is impressive. Like I didn't, I just thought it was normal. Cause what I did is I remodeled the shower first. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would get up in the morning I would go to the house and I would, uh, I had a table set up. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I put my computer on there and when I get a call from like Zillow or realtor.com, like I had Zillow leads, so I was getting live transfers. Right. Yeah. So if I had someone wanted to see a house, I would just shower, change my clothes, go show the house, come back, change into my work clothes and keep working on the house. Oh, that's smart. Right. So that's brought, absolutely brilliant. I brought clothes with me, my computer with me. Mm -hmm. I could work there. I could, you know, take my breaks. I was on my computer following up with leads, following up with clients. Right. Yeah. So I was working eight hours a day at the house till I couldn't, I was exhausted. Right. I just had to go home and go to bed and start the next thing all over the day. So for eight months I did that and still made the Realtor 500. And yet you had to have it pointed out to you yes, that that was impressive. That it was impressive. I just thought it was, you know, who wouldn't do that? Yes. Right? Like, but you seem to have a very natural work ethic just ingrained into you that is so strong and rare, really. People tell me it's rare. I don't think it's rare. I mean, I don't think of myself. Certainly, as because it's so natural special, to you. Special, right? I, I just don't, you know, know how people can't do it, right? In other words, I look at you know, real estate is the golden ticket, right? You get the golden ticket. If you have a real estate license, you have the ability to, your income's the limit. Whatever mm -hmm. you want it to be, you can go do it. You know, if I wanted to make a million dollars next year, I could go out and make a million dollars. No, no one's stopping me but me, right? So do you find then that that motivation that we're talking about, that that rare type of motivation that, you know, certainly not rare to you, but rare to others, does that come from a place of gratitude of um, your opportunity to be involved in real estate, or do you find that it's just so nonsensical to do anything else? I think it's more that because I look at it and say, you know, in all the trainings I've done over the years and teams I've done is, is that the problem with real estate is you're your own boss, mm -hmm. right? Everyone wants to be their own boss. Right. Well, the problem is your boss is an idiot. <laughs> Right. And so your boss gives you time off when you want. He doesn't hold you accountable. You can go long lunches. Right. You go to the gym in the middle of the day. Right. right? You can do you can work 50 hours a week and get nothing accomplished. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what happens in real estate. Right. You're like, I'm 
I'm my own boss. Like, ooh, I don't know if you should be. Some mm-hmm. people aren't meant to own their own company. But in real estate, you're your own. Even if you work for a team, you're, you're your own boss, right? But you need to be accountable. So my work ethic has always been, if I don't do it today, I just got to do it tomorrow. So get mm-hmm. it done today. It doesn't go away. Gotcha. Right? So yeah. some days I wish, you know, 30 years plus years of doing real estate and owning multiple companies in multiple states, right? I had a real estate license in Florida and in California. Um, but... Sometimes I wish, you know, some days it'd be nice just to be the Walmart greeter, right? <laughs> yes. And just say hello. And at five o'clock, you just go home and you don't think about your business. Yes. Right? Whether it's, you know, success, failure, whatever it is, right? My mind doesn't stop about how to expand my business, how to do this. So when I, I told you, when I came back, I was thinking, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm just going to do a quarter million dollars in commissions. Like that's only like, you know, 20 deals a year, super simple. Right. 20 deals. That's, you know, two a month. Right? And, and I'm sure when you say that, there's there's probably a lot of listeners who are thinking. Only 20. On earth, yes. How on earth do you equate relaxing to a quarter of a million dollars? And I'd like you to elaborate on that for them. I, I just don't. I think that, you know, if with any experience, you should be able to do two deals a, year, a month in your sleep. OK. Right. That's not I mean. In real estate, how long does it, how many hours does it take to follow a closing to escrow to two of a month? It doesn't take very many hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I, when I left the States, I mean, there wasn't CRMs, there wasn't apps on your phone. I mean, real estate's so oh, sure. easy now, mm-hmm. right? Instead of being more productive with this technology, we're just lazier. Got it. Right. It's, yes. Hey, I can work less. I can have a transaction coordinator now, or I can work less. I got on the app. I'm like, people don't work on their computer anymore. Mm-hmm. I tell my agents, I'm like, I want to throw away your phone because you want to work from your phone. Your phone is not a computer. Mm-hmm. Your phone is just help you when you're in the car, which you should be. If you're, if you're making money in real estate, you should be in the car all day. Mm-hmm. And you can't text. You want to know the number one voicemail that leaves me absolutely floors me. What's that? And I leave messages for other agents. Leave me a voicemail or for a faster, faster response, response, text, text me. me. <laughs> yes. I'm like, how can I, t- if, you're, if you're busy, mm-hmm. you can't text. Right. So I'm on the phone all the time. Communication is a lost art, right? And I'm like, for first of all, every phone that I know of, unless you're doing the old BlackBerry or some Nokia from 1990, has a voice to text. So mm-hmm. if I leave you a voicemail, you're getting a text anyways. Right. So you're now giving me homework, <laughs> right? I just called you, left you a voicemail, but now I got to text you because you don't want your phone to beep. They're all electronic communications. Yes. And email is electronic communication. Yes. I don't like emails. Text me. Text you. If I email you, it's the same thing. They're both like... It just infuriates me because it's laziness, right? Well, my my phone beeps when it, I get a text. Well, set it up to beep when you get an email. Set it up to beep when you get a voicemail. You have those red dots that tell you you got 20 voicemails, right? My voicemail box is full. You're so busy as a realtor, you can't even clear your voicemail. Right. Yeah. Drives me absolutely nuts, right? And I use more other language when I'm usually talking, but I've been refrained from that on this show. And I appreciate that very much, Robert. But that's what I feel like. I feel like... Did this realtor just give me homework? And I love the ones that give you the message, like, call my assistant at blah, blah. I'm like, I'm writing down this number. You call your assistant. It's not my job to call your assistant. I'm calling you. <laughs> like, I'm getting homework by calling you. I don't like that. It's I just, I try and laugh, but it's frustrating. Well, and and I think, you know, it's it's interesting when you see how the industry has evolved and 
you know, definitely there can be the perspective of, yeah, but look at how amazing this technology is, or look at how many advancements there are. But getting down to the basics and, you know, really using the fundamentals of the industry and then matching that with your work ethic, look at how successful you continue to be without adopting those advanced methods. Right. I I think you could take away your computer, take I mean you have a cell phone, but you could take away your computer, you could take away your apps, you could take away everything, you could take away dot loop. You can go back to regular forums and sign them wet mm-hmm. sign. You don't need any of that stuff and you can sell twenty four deals a year. So if you wanted to, because that's what we used to do. Mm-hmm. I mean I did two hundred and thirty two deals and I didn't have any of that stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> we had Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> well and it, You and I were having an interesting conversation earlier in that when you did come back to the States, you had no SOI. And so because of that, you were starting your business over at square one. Um, Tell us about what that looked like for you. Um, It was just, you know, I, like I said, I never worked. I was getting Zillow leads, Mm -hmm. Google leads, right. From pay-per-click. And I was just working them the best I could. And I, I, I think I got my first lead in, gosh, end of like end of February. And it was a $1.2 million lot up in Midway cash deal closed in 10 days. Oh, wow. Right. My very, <laughs> very first lead. Then I got a Zillow lead that I closed in 30 days, you know, mm-hmm. 400,000 in pro or something like that. But I was just, you know, it was motivated to work the leads, right? I, that's all I had. I didn't have any, like, I didn't have all my records from all my past deals that mm-hmm. I could put into a database and start following up with all those. I mean, I don't remember who I sold to 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't, right. I wish I would have that information. Sure. Right. I guess I can look it up in the tax records, but I'm just like, start over. Who cares? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Next. I can start from scratch. Yeah. So fast forward three years then. Are you still, in terms of your current business, um, do you consider yourself SOI or referral based, or are you still a fan of chasing those leads? Um, I give those leads to my my agents. Okay. I don't, I don't I don't chase any leads, so I I buy leads and give them to them. Okay. Um, you know my team concept is, you know, you sell me, you don't sell you. Sell my experience, not your experience. My experience is your experience. Um, I go with them on their listing appointments. I go with them with their buyer appointments first time, and then I turn them over to you, right? So I, I'm very hands-on as mm-hmm. a team leader or a broker. I love that. Um, because I'd look at it and say, I'm going to close at a higher percentage than you. And the only way you're going to learn is to hear me, see me do it, mm-hmm. um, and then you can hopefully do it on your own, right? Once you get the, once you build the rapport and connection, because that's what all real estate, people want to do business with people they like. Mm-hmm. Right, and they trust. Yes, right? more they they like than they trust. So they have to trust you, and they have to like you. So how do you build that with an internet lead? Your SOI should already do that. You right. could be the worst agent in the world, and right. should be able to sell your mother. <laughs> I mean, I can't. My mom doesn't like me. But, <laughs> but but most normal people, you should be able to work with family or your neighbors or somebody, right? Not somebody me. likes you. <laughs> my my family doesn't like me at all. I don't know. I'm the black sheep of the family, so I that doesn't work for me. So when I say I have no SOI, I have no SOI, but. But most people should be able to sell. You don't have to build trust and report. They're going to use mm-hmm. you if you're brand new or not. Right. right. My, I mean, I had family used me when 30 years ago. They don't use me now. But when I was new, they used me. But, um, but you should be able to do it. So how do you build trust and rapport with someone in 30 seconds, in a minute, in a showing? Right. Right. So that's the key. And that's why there's so much failure in the Internet and why people spend so much money on Facebook ads or pay-per-click or whatever. You know, the 500 calls we as realtors get every day to spend money with someone that's guaranteed to get us money. Mm-hmm. 
You still got to close. There's there's no easy way to sales. Right. It's still on you to close that sale. Still. So I I, I try and close for my agents to help them, right? Because it's it's money to me, right? It's my money. So I'm not going to let you screw it up, so to speak, right? right? So, and they can learn from that. So I want to be able to help them get their foot in the door because I have a lot of experience and a lot of trust and I can build rapport very quickly. That's the key is how do you build rapport fast? How do you find a connection? How do you connect with someone? And with my experience, I usually can find something to relate to, Mm -hmm. whether they're from California or they've traveled to Mexico or whatever. I mean, I've been divorced more than Liz Taylor, so I got that connection. (laughs) I got all kinds That'll of, start some conversations. conversations. <laughs> Certainly. Right? I've got plenty of ex-wives yeah. around, right? Um, so I can relate to people in divorce situations, whatever the case may be. So I, I just try to have fun with it because my, I, and I think that what I learned, I already knew it in real estate, but I learned it more in coaching timeshare sales, right? Because if you've ever been on a time share presentation, it's the longest oh, 90 yes. minutes of your life. <laughs> because that 90 minutes turns yeah. into three hours. <laughs> Four days. If <laughs> so, Three hours is lucky. Yes. You bought. <laughs> right. The only way you're going to get out of there is to buy something. Right. Um, and so I would sit as the trainer or manager on the other side of the room, and I could feel the tension from the agent like 20 tables away. Mm-hmm. I could feel, and I'm like, you're selling because you need to pay rent. Mm-hmm. You're selling because you need, to, you need money, mm-hmm. not because they need your product. Right. So my attitude, even though I did that years before, I realized it more in training that is that my attitude is I don't care when you buy. I just care that you buy from me. And my clients feel that I don't care if you buy this house. I don't care if you buy it next month or next year. As long as when you do buy, it's for me. I give you no pressure. I'm the lowest pressure salesperson there ever was. My agents always ask me all the time, well, why did you not close the deal? I'm like, I will. It'll close tomorrow. Right. I am closing the deal. Right. Tomorrow will come. They're like, hey, I have clients that say, hey, can you write an offer? I'm like, yeah, maybe tomorrow. I got to go drink. I got to go to the bar, whatever. <laughs> well, I'll get to you later. Right. Right. When they, they, but they, they joke. They're like, oh, I guess he's busy. I guess like I'm not pressing you. Like I'll do it right now. I'll drop everything. Mm-hmm. If you're a good realtor, you can't drop everything because you're busy with another client. Right. Mm-hmm. So and sales is all about control. Right. Who's in control? Well, a new agent. The buyer's in control. The seller's in control. You're just along for the ride. Right. But an experienced agent, I'm in control. I tell that client when we're going to write the offer, what we're going to write the offer for, when we're going to list your house, what we're going to do. I'm the expert, not you. And I'm sure that that translates into security on the client's end because they know that they can trust that you are in control of the transaction. You know what's going to happen. You are, you know, you are guiding them, and that is why they're willing to pay you the commission. Correct. I think that, and that's what I think. So I get very blatant about when I'm having training or I'm talking to other agents and brokerages and other agents because they like to. Well, I'm kind of flippant, like, but I'm being really brass about it. But I'm like, it's, the concept is still true. So we would be in sales meetings with X Y Z company. I can't say. And people would be like, well, I got to, I got to talk to my client about which, and when in 2021, all these multiple offers, I'm like, I got to talk to my client, let them review the offers. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, they have to decide. I'm like, then what do they need you for? Right. Right. Who's the expert, them or you? Mm. I tell my clients, or I should say the better word I advise, Mm -hmm. which one they're going to take because I'm the expert. If, if I'm not the expert, what do you need me for? Right. Right. As a buyer or a seller, I should be telling you what to do, not you telling me. Ultimately, the decision is theirs. Right. 
I had an agent really mad at me the other day on the phone when I told him I, he sent me an addendum right before closing to sign. And I said, they're going to reject it. And he says, you can't speak for your clients. I'm like, I know my clients. I know what they're going to say. Right. Yes, ultimately, they have to reject it and sign. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you what's going to happen. Because even if they didn't want to, I would tell them to. That would be my advice. I'm telling you, if they want to accept it, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell them to reject it because that's my advice. And they could avoid my advice mm-hmm. and accept your addendum. But I'm telling you, and he was super mad. He's like, we're supposed to be ethical and we're supposed to advise our clients, let them make the decision. I'm like, my clients don't make decisions. I make the decisions for them because I'm even if they don't want to do that, I'm going to give them my advice, which may be right or wrong. I don't know. If I'm going to give them my advice, they can ignore my advice mm-hmm. and do it whatever they want. But they, my clients want to know what my advice is, and I'm going to be honest. What's in their best interest, not in what's in my best interest. Right. Now, you have obviously so much expertise. You have so much history in the industry that that you're able to do that. But do you find that it's equally as important the relationship that you have built with your clients so that you feel confident enough to make those decisions What's going to be their preference? What's, you know. Well, you should know your the... client's preference. You should know mm-hmm. what their bottom line is on offers. You should know when they're selling. You should know what they want when they're buying, right? So it's our job to take notice of those things and to give them the best advice, right? Mm-hmm. I've had I've had clients tell me, hey, Roger, we'll offer this price. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think we can get it for less. The easy road would be like, sure, let's offer that price. That's going to be easier to get accepted. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to accept that price. I want to come in lower because I think I can negotiate and save you $5,000 or $3,000 or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, just trust in me, right? And I get them that money and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I would have paid more. I'm like, my job is to go get you the best deal. Not the easiest deal for me, mm-hmm. the best deal for you. And I think that, that that confidence that I have portrays and my clients feel that when they want to do business with someone they trust and like, right? That I'm going to go out yes. there, you know, and I, I'm very confident that that no matter what you do, I'm going to represent you better than anyone else in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to be negative to everyone else in the industry. There's a lot of great agents out there that are better than I am by a long shot, right? In volume and experience and whatever. But I'm just saying is I'm confident in myself that I can tell you, I, you're going to net the most money in your pocket as a seller and get the best deal as a buyer with me on your side. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to work in your best interest. Yes. Right? All the time I put you first. And they they feel that. And so that's why I say I tell them what to do, and I shouldn't say it. Like, it comes across really crass. I tell them they have to do this. No, I just give you advice mm-hmm. in a very firm way that you're going to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> it might be with my children, but I am going to use that. I, so. <laughs> I mean, if I'm the if, – because, once again, if, if you let your clients make decisions, then they don't need you, mm-hmm. right? And that's why there's, you know, um, you know because there's – and uh, you know, not great agents mm-hmm. out there in the market. There's new companies that are four-letter names that pop up out there, mm-hmm. right? Because yes. some customers have a bad taste in their mouth and don't feel that agents are worth their money. I believe I'm worth everything and more. And I love, you know, we we were discussing that earlier, and I love the way that you break that down. I and I, I think our listeners would love for you to break that down <laughs> as well in terms right. of the negotiation. Well, I'm I'm old school from the old Wardley Better Homes and Gardens. We charge seven percent mm-hmm. on our listing. No one does that anymore, seemingly, right? Like now, again, I can't tell you that's the normal rate because there's no normal rate. It is whatever is right. negotiated. But my fee is seven. Right, mm-hmm. I charge seven, and you know, if if I like you, then maybe it's six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but the first time, it, whenever a client asks me to reduce my commission, I will never reduce it. I may lower it because I like you, 
but I will never. If you ask me, the answer is always no. And tell me why. Because I, and I explain this to my clients after the fact, because I believe that the most important job as realtors we have is besides our expertise, it's included in our expertise, is what we bring to the table is we bring in the power of negotiation, right? Yes. Number one thing we do for sellers is we negotiate contracts. We negotiate contracts for buyers. We negotiate contracts for sellers. Mm -hmm. On a side note, I could put 100 realtors in a room and they wouldn't know what's in a contract. And that's what they get paid to do, mm -hmm. right? Probably 90 of them would be like, what? what's paragraph two, right? Like you're getting paid to negotiate a contract and you don't even know what the heck it says. <laughs> you haven't read it. Right. I've trained agents and six months later, have you ever read it? No, I haven't read it, but I filled out four of them. <laughs> right. That's on a sidebar. So most people don't know what it is. So how can you be an expert in negotiating if you don't know what it is that's in the contract that you're negotiating? So I'm very confident that I could out negotiate most realtors out there because I know what the contract says and I know what it means and how to use that to my client's advantage mm -hmm. in negotiating. So the negotiation is the number one thing we do for clients. So my point is with clients is if you can if I tell you the commission is 6% and you're like, hey, can you do it for, I got another company that'll do it for four, mm -hmm. right? Well, if you can negotiate me down on my commission rate that I told you what it was, then I'm not a very good negotiator. If I can't negotiate well for myself and you, the client, can out-negotiate me, how well am I going to negotiate when we get multiple offers on your home or any offer on your home? Which I think is a brilliant outlook. Right? I mean, I'm going to be yes. horrible because now if I'm not willing to fight for me, how oh, in the hell am I going to fight for you? Right. Right. And I'm not going to do very good because the first offer that comes in lowball, I'm like, I want to get paid. Mm -hmm. Accept that thing. That's right. a great deal. Right. So, so I'm going to fight. If I don't fight for me, I'm not going to fight for you. For sure, not going to fight for you. So I will always fight for me. And when, when they hear that perspective, they never looked at it that way. Right. right. It doesn't matter if you pay me 4%, 6%, 10%, 20% commission. It doesn't matter. As long as I put more money in your pocket at the end of the day, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what you pay me. Well, because I think the instinctive reaction when, uh, or, or I, I guess I should rather say the instinctive explanation that people assume when they hear the commission is, it goes back to knowing your worth, which is great. But at the same time, to your point, being able to prove from the beginning, no, I'm going to be the best negotiator in right. this room. Otherwise, you don't need me. I think that's so much more of a significant you could do it. You'd be a for sale by owner. Yes. You can negotiate. Yes. Right? I mean, if you had any skill at mm -hmm. all, you could be successful as a for sale by owner. But they aren't because they don't know what they're doing. Right. Right. So I believe I and you got to have that. You got to have the the experience and the attitude to back it up. Right. So you can't say you're the best and not be. So that's why I think most people can't do that. And that's why that's why they because they negotiate down. Like I'd have some commissions better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd rather have nothing. Right? That's my philosophy. I'd rather absolutely have zero mm -hmm. than than come down. Right. So I have, you know, some of the agents in my team always ask, like, hey, same thing. Let's do it for less. Let's do it for less. I'm like, no, 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 no. They're like, we're gonna lose it. That's okay. Mm -hmm. There's another one. Don't worry. The moment you start letting the client control you, you're over. Do you find the agents that are on your team adopting that same philosophy? Well, more out of fear because they know I won't, <laughs> I won't accept it, right? They're like, I don't know if Roger's going to accept this. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not. Right. right. So, no, we don't work for free. We mm -hmm. earn every penny we make. And at the end of the day, our clients are grateful mm -hmm. for it, right? And so you, you have to believe in yourself and you have to have the ability to be able to back it up. And that's why I say on our team, you don't sell you, you sell me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a problem, I'm the problem. Right? Make me be the problem because I could handle any problem. I'm not afraid of any problem. Right. 
right? So they're always, you know, they're like, I go on appointments with them. They're like, so what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I wing it. <laughs> and I, they're like, where's your listing book? What listing book? I don't even bring a CMA with me. I'm like, mm -hmm. where's your CMA? I'm like, I don't bring one. Like, you need to bring one, but I don't bring one. <laughs> right? I don't bring anything. Yeah. Right? I bring my wit. That's what I bring to the table, right? <laughs> and you are very successful at that. <laughs> yes. Right? So, and I can't say any names, but I had a, I had a, um, there was a, 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 so we were in a, in a training meeting and I said, look, there's, there's business all around you. Mm -hmm. I says, I saw an ad on some, the Facebook page that's a Utah real estate 101 or something, right? Someone mm -hmm. posted on there, they wanted to interview for listing a home. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I'll just respond to this ad, right? They're, they're on all day, right? And there's a hundred comments because every realtor is like oh sure. yeah we're gonna get this deal yes, yes right i'm like good luck so i never do anything i'm like i'll show you how easy it is so i go on there i start communicating with them i get an appointment i go to the interview right they're like hey we want you to go back for a second interview it's between you and two other people we've interviewed like 20 people right and i was there at the door with realtors leaving realtors coming you know they had us going in and out like everyone's up there charging ready wow. to go right and so i made it to the final three and they, they told me they said hey we want to we want to offer a 2% BAC because we don't think realtors are worth it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to 100% agree with you that realtors are not worth paying. But guess what? You're never going to sell your home if you don't offer three. Because they may not be worth it. And I say a lot of them aren't. But that's what you have to do to sell. Mm -hmm. so that doesn't go to me. You have to offer 3%. You're not going to sell your home. And so they chose somebody else mm -hmm. who was less money than me. Of course. And uh, 60 days later, they called me when it didn't sell. Wow. Right? And so, and I sold it for more than the list price on the other one in seven days. In seven days. At a full, at a full commission, right? I didn't do reduction at 3% BAC, mm -hmm. right? And I, and I told them, I said, because when I was there, they're like, the reason why they invited me back for the second reason is that our dog likes you. He doesn't like anyone, right? What kind so of I, dog? I don't even, I don't like, I don't like dogs, right? But... <gasps> You just broke my heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not that I dislike them. I don't want to own a dog, right? Because they're like, oh, that's a, they're too there's, much work. Yeah, there's a difference there's there. A difference. <laughs> I don't hate dogs. I'm not going to yes. own one. Yes. Right. But no, um, I don't know what it is. Kids and dogs love me, and I don't mm -hmm. really like either one. <laughs> it's probably because you're so genuine. You're very I, honest. I'm very honest. I, I don't. I don't. You know, like that's your kid, not my kid. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be mean to him, but I don't like that kid, right? But I, I'm, I treat him nice, right? Mm -hmm. And they all love me. So I went in the second time again, and I said, you, you know, the mistake you made last time, they said, well, I said, you should have trusted your dog. It made the right choice. <laughs> so they ended up, we ended up listening, right? So they're very grateful, right? Everything mm -hmm. goes on. I said, you know, but they, they, they thought they could save money by going with less money to somebody else and put more in your pocket. And they didn't, you don't, you, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm like, you had to pay more to get more. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Mercedes costs more than a, than a Geo Prism. They don't even make those cars anymore. <laughs> so, but I remember those. Oh. I, I had one. Did you really? <laughs> a 96 Geo Prism. There you um, but, uh, but it's, you get what you pay for sometimes. Not always. Most of the time you get what you pay for. It's more money because there's value there. And mm -hmm. my value is there. And that's where I'm very confident in that. And I'm very confident with my clients. So I'm, you know, I don't do these listing presentations or buyer presentations or whatever. I just, you, you, you're buying me. Yes. You're not buying a system. Yes. You're buying 30 plus years of experience and I'm genuinely care about your outcome. Now you have some very strong opinions, obviously about um, your approach in your business, but did you start your business that way? I'm old, so I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know I was, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've always had this personality, I think. Mm -hmm. I've always been very confident and, um, and you know, I know I was, I think my first year in real estate, I did like 3.7 million or 3.4 when prices were 30, mm -hmm. 99 or something like that. And I barely lost either Joel or William Bustos for rookie of the year. I was oh, like, wow. we were like in a three-way race down yeah. to the end or something. I was very close. Mm -hmm. that, right. Um, and I've hated him ever since. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like both those guys. <laughs> um, but, uh, so um, I, I I would assume so. I've always been very a people person, right? And and so I I look at it from a standpoint of, and even when I was, even when I was starving, right? Like I had no money. I came back from Mexico. I didn't have a dime, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, uh, living in my parents' extra bedroom, right? And 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 had to borrow their car, right? right? I didn't have a car to go to work. I had to yeah. borrow the car. They took everything I had down there. I mean, I left with barely anything in the clothes on my back. Um, and basically I had to start over, right? Obviously the first purchase I made with my first commission was a gun, but, um, <clears throat> the most justifiable justify. Yeah. So, um, but it was even when I needed money more than anything, I did not pressure my clients. Right. And people say, how do you do that? It's just because my attitude has always been, I don't need your money. Even when I do that, I don't need your money. Because I think that clients can sense that. Like mm -hmm. I said in, in the timeshare training, they could sense the urgency that you have for you, mm -hmm. not that you they have, right? So you can't make their urgency your urgency, right? So even when I needed money desperately, I still was like, hey, buy today, buy next month. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter to me. Like I, the attitude is I don't need the commission. Mm -hmm. I do, but my attitude is I don't need it because I want it, but on your time frame, not my time frame. I think that's the biggest lesson people need to learn is, you need to, your urgency doesn't matter. Whatever struggles you're going through in life, you can't project that because you will, you won't see the results you're looking for. Right. And that is profound advice. Yep. That, I mean, that's what I get. Absolutely. So speaking of advice, if you had to Don't go married. back. Don't get <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>, Wrong show. <laughs> and on today's episode. Um... I am a hopeless romantic. So that's why I keep getting married. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know. Try, try again. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I love all my wives at different times. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, but if you had to go back to yourself as, you know, a, a rookie agent, you know, you're competing with William Bustos, you're, you know, rookie agent. If you could give yourself one piece of advice, would it be the same piece of advice that you just gave to the listeners or what would it be? Yes. It would be. It would be the same. Okay. Other than, you know, I. you can't create more hours in the day. Mm -hmm. It's how productive can you be in those hours that you allot yourself. Mm -hmm. So part of the thing is that I was blessed with, I can pick up things quickly. Mm -hmm. Right? So I don't know if I'm smart or whatever, but I can grab, grab new concepts. I can understand you know, dot loop, I never used it before. I understood it in two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Some people have been using it for 10 years and still don't know how, to, how it works, right? Sure. So I'm blessed with that, right? So I, part of my, of my gift maybe is that I can, I can get done in two hours what takes you eight, mm -hmm. right? So I'm more productive with my time than you are. And I'm not some freak of nature that 
is time management and I manage everything well, mm-hmm. right? I can write an offer in five minutes, right? I mean, most people have hours to write an offer. I can present an offer quickly. So I just do everything quicker because time is money, mm-hmm. right? So and you just so buckle down and jam it out? Jam it out. I just get it done, right? Whatever it takes, get it done. So whenever I'm driving, like I don't listen. People love music, right? I love music, but I don't listen to it in my car, right? I have a Tesla as my daily driver for work because I'm constantly on the phone. Doesn't okay. matter where I am. The moment I'm in my car, I'm on the phone until I get to where I'm going. It then, genuinely is your office. It is my office, right? Yes. Because I'm on the phone because I don't procrastinate anything. I just get to it, whatever phone call, 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 call. Mm-hmm. Because I don't like to text, right? Everyone wants to text nowadays. I don't understand that, right? I, I love the phone. <laughs> right? I just communicate, right? So no one wants to communicate anymore, right? So I can get more done quicker mm-hmm. by calling people. So I call agents. I call lenders. I call marketing people, right? Call, 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 call. So I'm always on the phone. I'm not, you know, relaxing, listening to music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of the years, you know, I, you know, my lunch was drive through McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King. I mean, I just on the go. I don't even stop to eat. I eat it on the go. I'm like, I'm surprised mm. I'm not dead, mm. right? <laughs> From eating and driving. Distracted driving. Right? Distracted driving yes. all the time, right? That was back in the day when, uh, I remember this, uh, when cell phones were so expensive. It was like 25 cents a minute. You oh, yeah. By the minute. It wasn't yeah. unlimited, this stuff that all these... No one understands now today that we used to have to pay yep. per minute, right? The $60 plan right. for the 20 minutes of airtime. Yeah, it was something like yep. that. I mean, I had like 500 This was back in the night. My phone bill was $500 a month, right? Mm-hmm. So I they came out with Cricket, came mm-hmm. out with their phone. It was unlimited outgoing, not ingoing. So I would have my people would call my cell number, right? I would get the number off the caller ID, and I'd call them back on the Cricket. So that money. it was outgoing. It was outgoing and it was Smart. free, right? So yes. 20 bucks a month for the cricket or whatever, but I was like 500 for my, right? Because I'd be like, I can't keep paying this because I can't yeah. talk. I'm like, really quick, I got off, get off the phone. Okay, bye, 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 <laughs> right? Yes. I'm like, ching, ching, ching. And I remember like for after two months, I was on the freeway coming back from Davis County back into Salt Lake. Because I lived in South Jordan. I worked up in Davis County. And uh, I just chucked that cricket out the window. <laughs> I was just like, I'll just pay $1,000 a month. That thing, because it kept dropping calls, drop calls. Drop, oh, no. Drop call. I'm like, this is not working. But that was the old days, right? When you had to actually look at your bill. Yes. Right? I remember that well. Yeah. Well, we're, you're, I thought you were young, older, younger than that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All of you. <laughs> all of you. <laughs> right? So, yeah, that was, I mean, just crazy the things we did that mm-hmm. we don't have that problem now. So I just, the other advice I'd give, I said earlier, is just, Technology isn't to make your life easier. It's to make you more money. It's to make you more money. Yep. You're looking at it the wrong way. Because people, you know, will say, you know, um, money isn't everything, right? And I disagree with that. I disagree with the fact that if I'm going to be miserable, mm-hmm. I'd rather be miserable in Hawaii <laughs> than in Grantsville. <laughs> I right? can appreciate that. I'd rather be miserable in a brand new Mercedes mm-hmm. than in a geoprism. Right. right. So, yeah, it doesn't in buy. In your original geoprism. In my original <laughs> geoprism. I don't, you know, so money doesn't buy happiness, but you'd like, you know, I, I, I had one agent that worked for me was saying to me, he's like, I'll never put my job over my family. Family's mm-hmm. first. And I said, great, quit your job. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, your family's first, right? Quit your job. Well, no, I have to have a job. Then your job is more important than your family. So get on the program. It's okay to say that. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say your job is more important than your family because without money, you have no family. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything. You can't put a roof over the head. You can't put food on the table. You can't take them on vacation. So it's it's okay to say it doesn't mean you love your job more than your family, but mm-hmm. you need that job. Mm-hmm. And the more money you can make, the better your family's life is. So you actually, you're loving your family by going to work. It's accepting the basic requirements of survival. Right. So yeah, yeah if you want to, you can, in real estate, you can go work and make $30,000 a year and 
mm-hmm. and, and, and spend a lot of time with your family. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the, in the 90s and early 2000s, not only was I you know, selling a lot of real estate, but I coached both my kids in baseball, mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. I went to their wrestling high school. My kids played high school. They were all state you know, baseball, football, right, state champions. They were Utes, right, on TV, all that stuff. So I went to all the games. And I still, without all this technology, and still made money. Yeah. Made over a quarter million dollars a year in commissions with none of that stuff. Back yeah. in 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. all those years, no CRM, no apps, no all right. that stuff. And still, you know, I would, I coached uh, my son football and baseball, and he played 85 baseball games a year mm-hmm. and played football all season. And the other boys, I went to his both games, even though I only coached one. Mm-hmm. He had baseball games too. We traveled all over the United States. I'm like, so what's your excuse today? Right. Right. Because people today go look at some, well, you, Roger, all your kids are grown. You don't have kids at home. I'm like, BS. Now. Right. I yes. I guarantee I was working harder than you do now with less technology. Mm-hmm. Again, you're using technology to be lazy, not to be productive. Right. Right. So I, well, I'm, a little, I'm a little hard proof. on people. Well, you're living proof that not only can it be done, but you were doing it, you're still, still doing, doing it. it. So. so I vacation more than any other agent I know. Really? Yep, I can guarantee it. Where's your favorite place to vacation? Anywhere out of Utah. <laughs> anywhere where the, anywhere where there's more than five three percent beer. No, um, you know, I mean, I I believe in work hard, mm-hmm. play harder, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm a hundred percent firm believe it. So, uh, and I also believe to agents. Here's the problem. I says. People go on vacation. What happens is you take a week off. Nothing wrong with taking a week off and going on vacation. You deserve it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the week before your vacation, you put in t- 10 hours preparing for your vacation. Right. You're already checking out. You're already Mentally, you're gone. Yes. Already. I don't care where you're going. You could be going to Grantsville and you're already gone, right? Because mm-hmm. what's better wherever you're from, right? Whatever mm-hmm. trailer park you left to go to another <laughs> <laughs> a non-trailer park. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone's vacation different. But I'm saying is that, and then when you come home, you're doing laundry and you're cleaning up and you're getting back. So you've, yeah. you, your one week vacation turns into three. Yes. So I said, if you want to go on vacation, take the vacation, but you got to put in 80 hours the week you leave and 80 hours the week you get back. Because mm. that means it's worth it to you because you fought for it. Yes. But no one wants to fight for anything. They want the vacation and the lower time. And oh, I got to get packed and I got to call and I got to clean the house and I got to take the dog to the vet and I got to do all these personal items. None of that's making you money. And then you're going to be gone for a week. Yeah. Right. I mean, I believe in work hard, play hard, harder. Well, you have an amazing work ethic and nobody can argue with that for well, sure. I, but the work ethic has paid off. Has paid off. So I have a race car. I sponsor myself. I race here in Utah. Really? In the NASA Utah series. So I, have I a did full, not know that. Full blown race car. Um, so I race in the series out there all the time. Right. So it's a write off because I sponsor myself. <laughs> Hope the IRS isn't listening. <laughs> Uh, it costs a lot of money to sponsor myself. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm the only one dumb enough to sponsor me. So I, I race. I have a full blown race car out there. Um, That's amazing. Right. I love to. I, I love to to race. You know, drive. I just got back from a um, a rally group in Colorado where we had Porsches and mm-hmm. Ferraris, and I have a Corvette, a C8 Corvette that I I rally. So I have a rally car and I have a race car, and so I love speed. Mm-hmm. I love danger. Right. Yeah. That's why I've been married five times. That's just <laughs> as dangerous as those other two sports. <laughs> Marriage is just as dangerous as the other ones. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, they're all near-death experiences. Um, so, you know, I, I, what I love, I love to travel. Um, I joke all the time that I'm, a, I'm the only functioning alcoholic I know. <laughs> People are like, how do you drink so much and still get up? 
Like, I don't know, blessed, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Blessed. <laughs> right? Because my, you're, cause I think in real estate, when you're your own boss, your mind is working, right? Yes. I don't know about everyone else, but I have a hard time sleeping because you are your own boss. The ones that aren't doing this aren't working well because my mind won't stop. Yeah. Right? You have a hard but time turning it off. I have to have a few drinks to turn yeah. my mind off to mm -hmm. go to sleep, right? And so and I think a lot of people do. It's just people can't control that. Yeah. They can't function and relax, right? So I relax yeah. as hard as I work. Okay. So I don't recommend, you know, drinking like I do, but it works for me. <laughs> Wise words. Wise <laughs> words. Do it at your own pace. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roger, where can people follow you? Uh, people can follow me on my really simple Facebook page, Real Estate with Roger um, mm -hmm. is the, my company name, my brokerage, uh, my team. Um, they can follow me on that. They can follow me at realestatewithroger.us on my website. Okay. Um, there. Um, you can get my contact information off that. So realestatewithroger.us is the website or Real Estate with Roger on Facebook. I don't have Instagram or TikTok or any of those things. So I don't, I'm technically. You don't strike me as the scrolling kind of guy. I really don't into social media. I only have yeah. Facebook. Yeah. That's it. There you go. I'm trying to branch out to Instagram, but I don't know. Maybe I'm too old. <laughs> I'm, I'm still fighting for MySpace to come back. <laughs> I'm, the coding I, in MySpace was the best. I just still want, I'm still waiting for those three friends that haven't accepted me yet. In my you know what? Tom's waiting for us all. There, I'm, I'm convinced. I, of it. If he comes back, I'm on board 100%. There you go. Mark well, Zuckerberg's listening to me every single time. Love you, Mark. That's fine. That's fine. Wink, he can. Wink. So, well, we're going to go ahead and conclude today's episode. Perfect. Roger, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners that tuned in to this. You have dropped so much amazing information. I know that there was probably a lot of scribbling going on and a lot of laughs. And I hope that everybody was uh, able to take some golden nuggets and apply it to their business. Perfect. Hope so, too. Thanks so much. Got it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate us, like us, and share this podcast with our real estate community. The Nova Show Real Estate Record, sharing raw stories of real estate failures, lessons, wins, and successes. This is all from Novation Title, bringing a different experience into your world so that we can all uplift each other. Until next time.